Well, listen, Easter is a celebration of God's incredible power. It's a declaration of victory over death. Y'all, today is a big deal. It's not just about getting dressed up. Somebody told me they didn't recognize me this morning. (laughs) If you're a guest here, this is not, I'll just admit it, this is not my normal Sunday morning. And they're like, where are the jeans, Pastor? Well, you know, Easter, funerals, and weddings, okay? I have an outfit for each of those things. And one tie. Um, I'm just kidding. I have two. Um, (laughs) But today is not just about those things, not just about the Easter bunny and Easter egg hunts, although that is fun and I love the chocolate. But uh, we remember today that the real Jesus rose from a real tomb. This is not a fairy tale. This is not make-believe. He defeated death and made God's salvation plan a reality and an opportunity for each one of us. And so if Jesus is alive, that means that we can be alive. Easter ignites the possibility of hope and fresh vision that we could never have even dreamed possible. Today is a celebration of life and freedom found only through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But unfortunately, that's not the view of Easter or Christianity that most people have. So many people have preconceived ideas, preconceived notions about what this whole thing we call Christianity and church and walking with Jesus is all about. Perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you're here this morning because someone invited you, praise God for that, or you came at the request of a parent or a friend or a co-worker. Basically, you're here because you're being nice. You said, oh, all right, it's Easter. Okay, that's fine. I need to go. I'll I'll, I'll be there. But listen, can we be honest today? You've looked at the church. You've seen the hypocrisy. Maybe you work with somebody who calls themselves a Christian. You go to school with someone who says they're a Christian, and you're like, "Mm, I don't think I want that. Come on. Can we be honest today? You've said something like this to yourself. If that is what it means and looks like to be a Christian, no thank you. I get that. But listen to me. Most people who decide not to follow Jesus walk away because of preconceived ideas, a preconceived notion or decision, or maybe past hurt or or failures from somewhere else you've been. You have this preconceived idea about what it looks like to be a Christian. But I want to take this morning, I want to take a fresh look at this whole thing. Let's find out together what it really means to be a Christian. What what Jesus is really all about. What he really wants from you. And how much he really cares about you. Because it's probably not what you think. It's not what you think. Father... I pray that you would bless your word today. I pray you would anoint your word. I pray that 
I would decrease so that you could increase, Lord. Help us to see you this morning and hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, once again, if you're a guest here today at New Life, I know you've already been greeted probably in the parking lot, at the front door. I might have even shaken your hand. You didn't even know I was the pastor, okay? That's awesome. That's wonderful. But let me just say from the pulpit, welcome home. I am so glad you're here. Can we welcome our guests one more time? Come on. We are so glad you're here. Come on. There are, this is the South. We're in the Bible Belt, right? There's a church on every corner and some in between, okay? You you could have been at a lot of different places, but we're glad that you're here. And I want you to also know that much prayer has already been offered on your behalf because the most important thing that can happen to any of us today Even more important than than a fresh donut and a hot cup of coffee, although that is amazing. Somebody give it up for Krispy Kreme. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! The most important thing that can happen to any of us is, is not that, but having a genuine encounter with God. Now, for our text today, from the Word, it's a little unusual for an Easter message. I'm actually using a story from the Old Testament and I'm going to get to the reason for that, and we'll find out about that later. But I want it, I, I'm using this story because it demonstrates so well about having how dangerous it is to have preconceived ideas about something very important. Because if we do, it can rob us of some incredible experiences. Back in 2001 or something like that, Kathy and I were asked to judge a junior Miss pageant. How many know what Junior Miss is? Raise your hand. This was in Chattanooga. Okay, she told, now she agreed for the both of us. I was not in that conversation, okay? I'm a musician, and so they needed somebody that was a musician on the the panel of three or four or whatever, how many judges there were, and she agreed for the both of us, okay? Then she went on to tell me about this thing, and what I knew of Junior Miss, it was a teenage beauty pageant. Basically, that's what I thought. I had some preconceived ideas, and it was basically, I'm never going to get this Saturday back. It was an all-day thing, not an evening thing, all day long. I'm never going to get these hours back from my life. Can I just be hit in the hand with a hammer now and just get it over? I, I was not excited about this day. And the closer it got, the more I dreaded it, the more I was thinking things up about how awful it would be. And finally, we got down there, and they treated us like royalty. We had a green room with snacks and food and all this stuff. When we would move from one place to another, they would walk around us talking into their mics like we were the president. Nobody could talk to us. Nobody could speak to us. I kind of like that treatment. Anybody kinda, would that be fun? It was kind of fun. And so we got to meet these girls and interview these girls all day long. And then the, the event came. And I'm thinking this small little thing with the parents there like, you know, it was huge. It was totally, and they had the table, the judge's table right down. It was, I was Simon Cowell and Paula Abdul right here. I mean, it was American Idol. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. My preconceived ideas about this event were shattered in a good way, and that's what I'm hoping happens this morning. 
for many of you that may be here because you're being nice and you, you know, just leave it that. But I want to start, I want to start, I want us to have a fresh slate. Can we do that? Just a fresh slate. Try the best you can to shove any of those preconceived ideas or notions about Christianity, about Jesus, about that guy at work that's rude and is, is, says he goes to church every week. Okay, just push him aside. All right? And let's look at our text. 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 1. I'm in the New Living Translation. It's a very readable translation. It's going to be on the screen for you. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But through Naaman, though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So here we have the introduction of our main character, Naaman. He's a man's man. He's tough. He's a commander of a successful army. He's a warrior. And because of that, he has the admiration of his king. But take note of something quickly. He was not a Jew. He was from Aram. He was from another nation of Israel to the northeast of Israel. He was an outsider. He was not a part of God's chosen people. So just keep that in the back of your mind. But he also had a, a major problem. He had leprosy. This was a skin-eating disease, highly contagious, that would eventually take over his body. And what they would do with these people, they would have actual leper communes outside of the city walls because eventually it would get so bad they would have to send them out because they, had, they didn't want to catch it. So he was going to lose his position he was, going, he was wealthy, he was going to lose his money, his family, and eventually this disease was going to kill him. Verse 2. At this time, Aramean raiders uh, had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Verse 4. So Naaman told the king, what the young girl from Israel had said. So this band of raiders come out of his nation, Aram. Now this happened all the time in this culture, horrible, violent culture, dangerous to live. And these, these raids would take place and they would go in and pillage and kill and steal and all of this stuff. And this girl got taken in one of these raids and given to Naaman and his household and she's serving his wife. But they must have been nice to her because she speaks up. And she tells her, I wish Naaman would go see Elisha because I've heard about Elisha. I've heard about the miracles. And if there's a good chance if he'll just go see him that he could be healed of the leprosy. Now, this isn't the big idea for the message today, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to make a point. We don't even know the name of this girl. She was probably a teenager. All we know is that she was taken. She was lonely. She was scared. She was missing her family. All we know is that she was occupying the very lowest place in society. She was a slave. But if she had not spoken up, we would not be reading about this story this morning. All we know is that she was a slave. If she had chosen 
because of that situation, to live her life in bitterness, we would not have this story. Despite the circumstances, this young woman would point Naaman and eventually the nation of Aram to the one true God of Israel. Here's the point. Look at the screen. No matter how humble your current position, God can use you to spread the word. No matter what position you are in, what position you think you are in, you think I'm at the bottom of the barrel, God, I can't do anything, I'm too young, or hey, I'm I'm, I'm the lowest employee on the rung, nobody's going to listen to me, it doesn't matter. Just like this girl, everybody look at me, you've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make, you've got a choice to make when life deals you something unfavorable. I don't think any of us have faced anything like this. We've got a choice to make when life throws something like this at We can tuck our tail and run or wallow in the situation, or we can stand up and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but use me for the glory of God. We can say it. I believe that this teenage girl was standing right here next to me this morning. She would say, hold your head high and look for the opportunities to tell others what God can do. I believe if she was standing here, she would say, there's no telling who might hear your story. The king ended up hearing her story. Verse 5. The king says, go and visit the prophet. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as, as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Now, I did some research on how much this would be in our current, uh, you know, currency, in our currency. And what I found out was he was bringing with him almost a million dollars. The dude was rich. What good is money, though, if he's going to have leprosy and get separated and die? I could preach there a little while, but I'm not going to. He's taking almost a million. Elisha, if he can heal this guy, is going to be a millionaire. Let's skip to verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Now, basically, this is the Old Testament version of a stretch limo and a full entourage, okay? They pull up all big and bad in this little cabin in the woods, and, and they're pulled up, and it's, this place has never seen anything like it. They knock on the door. But Elisha, I love this, y'all. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Well, now to most people in this situation, that last part would have been good news, right? That last part would have been exciting, except Naaman is not most people. He's second in command of Aram. He's the commander of an army. He's a rich guy. He is, he is a little bit accustomed to certain behavior and being treated with a certain level of respect. And Elisha sitting on the couch watching Netflix and won't even get up. Y'all, I just love that. I don't know why. I can just see it in my mind. And it just, he's like, I got to take this dude down a notch. He's a little too big for his britches right now to get healed. And he doesn't even go to the door. This is not what Naaman thought was going to happen. This is not how he had this whole thing playing out in his head. And he was completely insulted by Elisha's behavior. Verse 11 
But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected, there's our word, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord as God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farper better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I? Basically saying, why did I even come? I could have stayed home. I hope none of you say that today after the service. <laughs> why did I even go? He's, he's like, why did I even? This is so stupid. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away. Everybody say away. He went away in a rage. Folks, at that moment, he was allowing his preconceived thoughts and ideas of how it was supposed to go down keep him from his miracle. Keep him from an encounter with God. He throws a tantrum like a little boy. Because Elisha wouldn't even get off the couch to come greet him. So he stalks away. He turns his back on what could be a life, you got to hear me, a life-changing moment. Verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Serve the prophet and told you to do something very difficult. Wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, Go and wash and be cured. It's like they were trying to bring him back into reality. They were like, you're here to get healed, right? Come on, dude, you're here to get healed. Quit thinking about all this other stuff. Does it matter how? What have you got to lose? I want to pose that question to you today. What do you have to lose? You've tried to govern your life and direct your life, and it's, it's not going so well. What do you have to lose to give God a chance this morning? I hope hope if you're here today with some preconceived ideas about church, about Christianity, about following Jesus, that you will think about that. What do you have to lose? This message, this whole thing may not be exactly the way you were thinking it would be. Um, You may still think this whole thing is a little bit strange, and we're a little bit strange, and we are but so are you. Come on, let's be strange together. Honestly, come on. What do you have to lose? You want to know my heart? I'm praying, and I'm hoping beyond hope. That if you, are, if you have drifted from the Lord, maybe you were saved you were, or you were walking with the Lord at one time and you've drifted away, fallen out of church, all this stuff, or maybe you don't know him at all, I'm praying and hoping beyond hope that you invite Jesus into your life this morning. There's no mystery. I'm not trying to veil what we're doing this morning. That is my prayer. That is my hope because only Jesus can change our life. And then I'm hoping that you give us as a church the opportunity to come alongside you and your family. And you can experience real community because we all need that. Verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. Seven, it's not a big deal, but seven in the Bible is a significant number. It's the number of completion. Six times would not have worked. Eight times would not have worked. Seven was the number. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Hallelujah. Here's the bottom line. Naaman came to be healed, but he got offended 
my Lord, that will preach. Wow. Just put the two together. I won't even have to preach it, okay? This whole thing was not what he expected. How much do we miss out on when we get offended? How much have we robbed ourselves and our family of by just being offended at somebody or something or, or whatever? That wasn't in my notes at all, but it's for somebody today. The Jordan River was dirty, and he didn't even have a bathing suit. He did not come prepared to get wet. But if Naaman wanted to get healed, listen to me, he had to humble himself and obey. Look at the screen. Obedience to God begins with humility. Obedience to God begins. You cannot be prideful and obedient at the same time. You cannot be arrogant and obedient at the same time. You cannot be self-thinking uh, you're all that and, 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 and be humble and obedient at the same time. And listen, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You like that? It's not mine. You've probably seen it on Facebook. <laughs> Let me say it again, though. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not about having zero confidence in yourself. It's not about having an unhealthy like self-esteem. It's about removing the pride and the arrogance and the entitlement from your life. Because if you allow those negative characteristics to drive your life, you will never, never experience the supernatural blessings of God. This group over here, all right. It was, that was like the wave. It was cool. We have enough people we could actually do that. No, we won't do that. <laughs> it's not because God doesn't want us to have those blessings. It's because if we allow those characteristics to drive us, we're going in the opposite direction. We're not getting anywhere near those things. We might have temporary material things and blessings, but you guys know that doesn't last. We need eternal blessings. Obedience to God begins with humility. Becoming a true follower of Jesus begins with humility. All right, we're on the home stretch. Verse 15. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. This time he came out. <laughs> I love it. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. How much was it? A million dollars. Everybody do the Austin Powers. You ready? Everybody do it. Ready? One million. I took a big risk with that. I just got to tell you. I was like, I hope people actually remember that movie. <laughs> One, sorry. That's all I could think about. I'm weird. You're weird. Here we go. Verse 16. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. Not even a million dollars. In other words, he's like, Naaman, dude, you're not getting this. I didn't heal you. The one true God of Israel healed you. I could do nothing. And I'm not going to accept the gift for something I didn't do. Hallelujah. Even though Naaman still urged him, he didn't, he didn't take it. 
Now, again, this was an unusual text and story for an Easter Sunday morning, but I had a reason. And as I finish, as I close, I want to point out some incredible similarities and parallels between Naaman's, listen, his physical condition with leprosy and our spiritual condition. All right? Number one, Naaman was an outsider. Naaman was an outsider. We talked about this. Naaman was not in the God club. He was not a Jew. He was not an Israelite or part of God's chosen people. But listen, that didn't matter to God. God healed him anyway. It doesn't matter today if this is your first time in church or you've been here a hundred times. There are no outsiders. Jesus will never see you as an outsider ever. Come on. Praise God. It doesn't matter where you're from, how much money you have, where you live, where you grew up, what you've been doing. Whether you're poor, you're rich, you're Republican, Democrat, it may seem like it matters, but it doesn't to God. Did you hear me? None of that matters. Jesus loves you. Just like you are. Just like you are. So number one, Naaman was an outsider, but it didn't matter. Number two, Naaman's leprosy meant separation and eventually death. Folks, can I tell you, we have the same problem. As a matter of fact, every person on the planet has the same problem, and it's called sin. Paul says in Romans 3.23, for everyone, say everyone, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. What's his standard? God is holy. God is perfect. So his standard is perfection, holiness, newsflash. <laughs> You're not and I'm not. We're in trouble. We have a problem. But the glorious solution which is also called the gospel, which is also called the good news of Jesus, is that he made a way for us to once again be reunited in fellowship with God. He brought us to death unto life, and that's what we're celebrating today on Easter Sunday morning. Only Jesus, only Jesus can heal us and forgive us and take care of the sin problem that we all have. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are, that's what today is all about. Naaman's disease meant separation and death. Folks, the only answer for Naaman, if he wasn't going to be separated from his family, lose his wealth, his life, The only answer for him was healing. The only answer for us is healing and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. If sin remains unforgiven in our life, it means separation from God and eternal death. The only answer is Jesus. Number three, Naaman was offended by the simplicity of his healing and his money was useless. He was offended by the simplicity. Naaman wanted a show. Y'all hear me? 
He wanted, woo. He wanted it to be a show, pomp and circumstance. He wanted the show to, to rival his position in the world. He had preconceived ideas about how everything was going to go down. Not something as humble and stupid and simple as dipping in the river. Now, this part of Christianity trips a lot of people up. Listen, they think that receiving grace for their sins by faith, it's too simple. It's too easy. Pastor, come on. There has to be more that I have to do. Come on. You don't know what I've done. Pastor, it's got to be harder than this. You don't know where I've been. It's got to be harder than this. It can't be as simple as just receiving Christ and believing in him by faith. But the word of God is clear, folks. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the what? Free gift. Say it again. Free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, listen, right here, eyes right here. A wage is something we earn. If you sleep until noon tomorrow, don't expect your boss to show up at your door with a check. Come on, you've got to earn it. And what we have earned in the Spirit is death. But eternal life is free. It's a free gift. Paul says, Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Everybody say faith. Faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't come to church enough. You can't put enough money in the offering. It's, you cannot buy your salvation. The only way that we can be saved from our sin is through our Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made on the cross and the fact that he went to the grave and he didn't stay there. He got up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All we have to do is what Paul says in Romans 10, 9. If you declare out loud with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? Say it again. You will be saved. Say it again. You will be saved. That's it. True Christianity is not what you think. It's not about rules and regulations, boring church services, lifeless religion, or never having fun again. <laughs> come on, don't get holy in here. Y'all, that's what you're thinking. I can't come to the Lord. I'll never have any fun again. That's not the case. not what you think. It's more about relationship than religion. It's more about love than it is the law. A relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus is not what you think. It's not boring or dry or predictable. It's full of life and wonder and purpose. Now, Jesus never promised it was going to be a bed of roses. If you were preached at one time or another that once you accept Christ, it's all going to be okay, I'm sorry, that's not true. That's not what the Word of God says. But it does say that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And whether you're on the mountaintop or you're walking through the darkest valley in your life, Jesus will go with you every step of the way because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Receiving Christ is not what you think. I want you to hear me. This is, 
I know we're at the end, but listen to me. It's never about shame or judgment. If that has been your experience in the church where someone or a pastor or a church shamed you or judged you, then for the sake of that idiotic behavior, I am sorry. I am sorry. Meeting Jesus has never been about being shamed or judged into a decision. They may have meant well, but that was wrong. It's about being introduced to the most loving and forgiving person you can possibly imagine. A Savior who loves you just like you are. Jesus is not ashamed of you. Jesus is not ashamed even of your hidden sins. Yes, he knows about all of that. Do you know that Jesus knows everything about you and yet he loves you more than anyone in this world just like you are? Hallelujah. He is waiting patiently to meet you, to help you, to heal you, to forgive you and offer you eternal life. Truly following Jesus is not boring, legalistic, religious, or lifeless. It's the most amazing experience on the planet. It's the most exciting and fulfilling existence in the universe. Why, pastor? Everybody listen. Because you will finally know the meaning of life. You will finally, wait, you will finally understand why you have breath in your body. Easter is not what you think. Christianity is not what you think. Walking with Jesus is not what you think. It's so much better.
Thank you, Lord. finished yet. If you've been around, you know I like to finish my messages with what I call the big idea, the main point. And I think the main point, the big idea today is that don't let imperfect expectations keep you from a perfect Savior. Don't let imperfect expectations, because when you're talking about expectations, if we make them or we have past experiences or whatever it is, you're dealing with imperfect people. You're dealing with people who make mistakes, who are fallible. Don't let that, don't let a past hurt or or an unrealistic expectation keep you from your destiny, keep you from forgiveness, keep you from healing, keep you from Jesus.